What do, what do you love? What are you passionate to hunt? Mule deer. I've had people ask me why I don't hunt elk a lot, and I, I always tell them because they don't look like mule deer. I love to hunt mule deer. Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Sam Weaver, today's host of Tipsy Tuesday, a short segment covering rockslide.com tidbits, hunting news from across the West, with just a sprinkling of tips and tricks to keep you well-informed for your next adventure. Well, it's mid-October, and hunting season is in full swing. Hope everybody is out there enjoying themselves and finding some animals. Just a reminder of Rockslide's best photo contest going on right now. After you harvest, take a great photo and enter it in the elk, mule deer, whitetail, or sheep photo contest. Go to rockslide.com, that's R-O-K-S-L-I-D-E dot com, and there will be a sticky at the top of your species forum. If your children harvest an animal this year, look in the youth forum, as our friends from Western Edge Gear are giving away a youth pack for the best youth photo. Apologies, today's show runs a bit long, but stay tuned, as we have Mike Nelson from Scree Gear with a special announcement, and then some tips and tricks for big mule deer. We hear from Gary Schroeder of Onyx as he walks us through their newest features. And here we go. All right, today we're lucky enough to catch up with Mike Nelson, one of the founding partners of Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. But more than that, Mike is a big mule deer slayer. He's going to share some of his tips and tricks to help us put a big muley in the back of our trucks this season. Welcome to the show, Mike. Always great to be with you. Hey, Rock Sliders. Um, hope, you're having, uh, hope, hope you're having some success out there this season. It's been kind of brutal the last couple of weeks with this full moon. And, and uh, I was out hunting two weeks ago and it was full moon and hot weather and frankly pretty dang tough hunting yeah i was up on the boulders unit myself and it was it was rough up there with this super moon so what's happening at scree over there what do you guys got going on well sam we uh we actually just had a pretty big announcement this last week it's actually one of the bigger announcements that we've had in in company history and before i announce that um you know I came up with the vision for Scree. It was back in 2000, uh, 2011. I was in the backcountry of Alaska hunting sheep and, uh, and I had a moose tag and, and a grizzly bear tag. But anyway, we were out there backpacking for 18 days and um, learned a lot during that time about myself and, and also about gear. And uh, I had purchased some pretty expensive uh, hunting gear, specifically jackets and pants for, for that hunt. And, uh, you know, about four or five days into the hunt, I had a, a couple of those pieces come undone on me. And man, I'll tell you, when you're in the back country, hundreds of miles from, um, you know, civilization, it's, it, it just, it's not a comforting feeling to have any piece of gear that you're dependent on in the back country to fell on you. And it was then that I, I really got inspired and, and created the vision for Scree, which is 
to build high performance hunting gear, but do it at a responsible price. And, you know, in, in recent years, in the last couple of years, you know, our nation has felt some, we felt the crushing blow of this, this economy from bad policy and, and, and other, um, other, other things that are at play, but it's, it's caused incredibly high inflation, which is, frankly, it's affected the pocketbooks of working class America. And so we've had some pretty intense discussions here internally about, about some of those challenges. And I know a lot of our competitors have, have recently raised prices and we decided, you know what, we need to stay true to our roots um, of creating high quality hunting gear that's high on performance, but that is priced responsibly. And so last week we announced that we are implementing immediately and effectively sweeping price reductions. So that's across all of our offerings. Um, and just a, like one example, for example, one of our, our most popular pieces is our hard scrabble jacket. That's um, it's a, it's a soft shell hunting jacket um, loaded down with lots of features. It, it checks all the boxes in terms of uh, performance and, and quality, but that jacket, we uh, for, for years, that jacket has been priced at $229. And we have effectively as part of the sweeping price reductions, lowered that jacket to 199 and this affects all pricing across all offerings so that is by far the biggest announcement um one of the biggest announcements that we've made in in company history um and you know we we recognize that that the working class america that their their pocketbooks have been affected and hunters that you know need to purchase gear this year and and can't afford some of these ultra expensive pieces of gear, we decided to do something about that. And so effective immediately, we, we are announcing those sweeping price reductions. You know, I've wore Scree for a long time. And that's one of the big things that, you know, in my background, I'm pretty blue collar. A lot of the guys I work with, we work hard for our money. And that was a big point for us too, about going to Scree is getting the performance at a, at a price that made sense for us. Right. And you know, the reality is this, look, I, I mean, here at Scree Gear, we, we recognize that hunters have a lot of really good options. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of other companies out there um, bigger than Scree that, that frankly make some very good, um, high quality gear. The, the difference is, is, is price. And I would, I would invite anybody that's listening to this, this podcast, if, if you're wearing a different brand and you're thinking, man, I just, I like the gear, but I'm, I'm just not, you know, the, 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 the price is a little bit out of my reach. And maybe for some guys, that's a lot out of your reach. I would invite anyone that perhaps is with another brand that, that, that has seen us around and has thought perhaps maybe they would give us a try. I would invite you to, to try our gear. We have a, we, ha we do have an offer on our, our website. It's an ongoing offer that you can you can buy our elite starter bundle, which includes three of our top pieces and try it out. And if you are not absolutely a hundred percent satisfied, if you don't feel like the quality is every bit as good of, as the gear you're wearing now, put it back in the package and send it back for a hundred percent refund. That's, 
how certain we are that you're going to be impressed with our gear. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive offer. No downside there. You get it. And the three pieces are are pants, a uh, uh, top, and, and the jacket. Is, is yeah, that correct? Yeah, so it's the hard scrabble jacket and pants, which are, is our two top sellers, hands down. And then it's the uh, the Kaibab 150 Merino top. So it's a great it's a great lineup. I mean that kit right there. I mean you could throw that on and go go hunting tomorrow. Um, you'll obviously as we get later into the season and temperatures drop, you're going to want to add in some insulation pieces like uh, you know like our ptarmigan down puffy um, or or some of the um, more core insulation pieces. But you know that is a great kit and it's a great way to to try our gear out right at no i mean it's no no cost to you i mean if you if you don't like it you're not you're thinking it it, it's not up to par with with uh maybe the brand that you're currently wearing stuff it back in the bag and send it back 100 um guarantee on that wow amazing offer reduce some price and try it for free if you're not happy send it back for a refund and like i said we're we're confident we know people will be be impressed and 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 we get it man i mean we're we're all working class americans we work hard for our money but uh you know it's tough times i think everybody's feeling the the, the price of 4.99 a gallon diesel and and you know you used to be able to get a you know go through the drive through and get a good value meal for five or six bucks and now it's like 12 or 13 so i think I think Americans are, are really starting to, to feel the, the crush of, of this down economy and high inflation. Now with this money we save, we can move on to do a little hunting. What do, what do you love? What are you passionate to hunt? Mule deer. I've had people ask me why I don't hunt elk a lot. And I, I always tell them because they don't look like mule deer. I love to hunt mule deer. I love to hunt elk as well. But, you know, and, I, and I've, I've been fortunate to travel around the world. I've been to Alaska and was able to harvest a, a, a nice moose and I've taken doll sheep and, and been to Africa. And I'm again, just been very fortunate to, to hunt all over the planet. But um, I don't know when it really comes down to it. I, I just love mule deer. I'm a, I'm a true blue mule deer aficionado. Yeah. I do think they represent the icon of the West, you know, from the lowest Valley floor to the highest peak um, is their traditional range. So it's pretty impressive. Why don't you tell us uh, some of your tips and tricks to get on some of these these big deer? Well, I'm not the author of this tip or idea. I mean, it's and it's so basic and simple, but it's it's interesting that people that want to kill a mule deer, a big mule deer, at least one in their lifetime, they don't really follow this one simple rule, which is, I mean, you just got you got to hunt where big mule deer live. As a youngster, you know, we grew up hunting a unit that just did not produce big mule deer, you know, yet we went back year in and year out and, and, you know, we got the same results every year, but um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta hunt where big mule deer live. And I mean, there's, there's obviously units that are very good at producing um, the genetic quality that, that are representative in a, in a giant buck, you know, I mean, here in Utah, I mean, it's no secret, uh, the, Henry Mountains and Ponsagant and and Oak Creek units are are all very good units. I mean, honestly, Utah, even in in some of the units in northern Utah, there's some there's some great genetics up there as well. But and I think as far as Boone and Crockett, I think Utah's the is number three on the list of total entries into the Boone and Crockett. 
And so, yeah, I mean, a, a, an individual could learn a lot from those those record books. You know, it's no secret that Colorado has more Boone and Crockett mule deer entries than any other state by a long margin. I think Idaho's next, followed by Utah, but it's 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 a fairly large margin. And so, so yeah, not to not to beat a dead horse, but you gotta if you really want to put a, a a big mule deer on the ground. A guy needs to start with um, hunting where they where they live, or you know, areas that can genetically produce a big mule deer. So once you've narrowed down your search, there, you know, and a lot of these units can be super tough to draw. You got to plan decades in advance uh, for these top units. You want to go to the Henrys, you know, you should have started twenty years ago. But those outlying units still have the genetics. You might be able to squeeze in there. Also, Utah system, you can get lucky. But let's say you draw one of these tags. What's what's your next step then? Pardon me, if you draw a limited entry tag or just any of these great tags where where the genetics high, you're you know, you finally get to go to the area. What's your next step? What's your what's your biggest one? Well, if you're from out of state, hire a guide. I I, I mean, that the reality is 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 these guides are, you know, um, I guess I'm putting in a plug. I don't, you know. For, for guides, but the reality is a lot of guys will draw out of state or maybe you're even in state and you just don't, you know, like most people, you got a, you got a real job. You don't have the time to get out there and scout and learn these units. You know, there's, there's this, there's this idea that if you draw a big, you know, if you draw one of these big units, these, these awesome limited entry units that you're just going to roll in there and, you know, kill a world-class buck. And that's just not the case. In fact, in, in many of these units, I mean, your average guy that rolls in these units that haven't really scouted much, don't know the units. I mean, they're 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 killing the kind of deer you could, frankly, with a little extra effort, kill on a, a general season unit. So, I mean, there's obviously very good mule deer hunters, and if you're if you're one of those and you have the time to dedicate to go to that unit, learn it, scout it, you know, find a buck or a few bucks that that you can hunt. I mean, I I think guys that are of that, you know, cut from that kind of cloth. I think they're going to do just fine. But I, I'll tell you what, man, you're you're sitting with a, a tag of a lifetime. And I say that because, frankly, most guys will only draw that tag. I mean, when you're talking about, like, Utah, you know, you've got the Henrys, the Oak Creeks, and and the Ponsagon. I mean, that's, that's probably a once-in-your-lifetime tag. I mean, Colorado, Unit 44, you know, if you didn't, you, if you haven't started building points in Colorado, you'll never touch that tag. Um, I mean, the Arizona strip, I mean, that's dang near a unicorn for, for most people, but then there's all the other units that take a lot less points, right? I mean, they still take some points, but they, they can produce every bit as good a box as those, those highly limited tags. But yeah, I guess the, the, the short to the long answer of that is, Hire a guide or be, you know, be prepared to commit some serious time to, to scouting. Step one, get a tag. Step two, be ready to be scouting or pay somebody else to do it for you. A lot of these outfitters, I mean, they've, especially the ones that have been around a long time. I mean, they've, they've been in, you know, they've either live in the unit or growing up hunting the unit. They've, they've got decades of experience. And I, man, I mean, I, I can't express how valuable that is. I mean, Anybody that's hunted a, a unit for decades, I mean, you you know where the deer are and you know where there's absolutely no deer and you know 
where they migrate and when they migrate and how they migrate. And, you know, it's, it's just invaluable. I mean, you're not, you're not just paying for a guide to feed you, put you up and, and, and point out a deer. I mean, you're, you're paying for in many cases, decades worth of, uh, of experience and knowledge. Especially with older mule deer bucks. A lot of these guys are watching these deer for a few years as they start to really get up there in the age and really start to put on them and be able to follow their characteristics, their patterns, so they can get them nailed down. They got a good idea where these bucks are living at all the time. And, and that's the a huge part of it. And not only that, they don't have one, they have multiple. So that's, that's huge too. When you have one of these tags, you know, if your target buck gets killed early by somebody else still hunting, somebody else can get lucky for sure anytime too. Well, and I am with that, man. I would also add that the, the biggest bucks right now, at least in Utah, I can't say this for anywhere else, but at least in Utah, on these limited entry units, the biggest bucks are usually dead by, you know, within a, the first week of the archery hunt. It's just the way it is. I mean, we have some incredibly talented archery hunters that just they're willing to get after it. And, you know, some of these guys are outfitted, some aren't, but they just they're just really, really good at their craft. And they can get it done year in and year out. I mean, I I know of a specific limited entry, two of them actually, and the biggest bucks on those units are dead. They're 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 not available anymore to muzzle. You know, the hunts that follow muzzleloader and rifle. So that that is another little tip I would hand out. Is that I mean I don't know. I, they, all those guys that are hunting archery are probably not liking me now because maybe I'm I'm up in their odds. But then again, I don't know that that's a secret. I mean. Because frankly, there's there's guys that that just aren't willing to commit to archery. You know, it, it is a harder proposition. But yeah, that that definitely is a a, a tip. If you're if if you want to kill a really really big buck, learn how to use a bow. And you got to be educated about the unit you're going to. You know, like we mentioned, not to throw units out there, but 44. You know, that not a great archery unit. It's mostly a late season rut hunt type unit where it gets most of its bang. A lot of deer come into winter. So, you know, things like that you need to be aware of as you're burning your points there. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I concur with that. So now we got a guide. We're gone. What, what are some of your tips to get yourself, your equipment prepared, mentally prepared to, to do the hunt? Do you have like a pre-routine that you do or are you just kind of always in it? If you have a really good tag, do you ramp up? I don't know, your shooting, your exercise, that kind of thing, or you just kind of stay on top of it? I mean, I, I guess this is where everybody has an opinion, honestly, you know. I'm I'm not an exercise buff. In fact, I'll, I'll argue with anybody. I, I mean, I'm not going to call out names here, but if I was to pick the top three mule deer hunters that I know here in Utah, they're consistently putting big bucks on the ground. I don't think those guys have ever set a day in the in the gym. You know, I, I, I think it depends on where you're hunting. I mean, obviously, if you're hunting you know, the Wasatch Front, you're hunting the backcountry. I mean, yeah, you got to be in good shape. Um, I'm a guy. I don't, I'm not a gym guy. Never have been. Probably never will be. Um, you know, I'll go for a jog. I, you know, I've got a mountain here that's got about 1,300 feet elevation in a mile. Um, I've got one of those Atlas trainers from Outdoorsman. I'll throw on some weights and just climb mountains and that's how I'll get in shape. You know, if I'm doing a, a backcountry Alaska hunt for sheep or moose or whatever. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting not to, not to be prepared that way. 
But then again, I mean, if you're hunting the Ponsagon, you're, you're probably not going to need to be in cheap shape. It's just that unit's not really built that way. Yeah, not not a big gym rat, but again, to each their own. I know there's there's guys are. I know, you know, there's a community of guys that love to do that. And I celebrate it. I think it's great. I mean, everybody's got their 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 own way of getting ready for a hunt. I am a I am a big gear junkie, man. I, I, I love high quality gear. It's it's one of the reasons that I started Scree Gear. If I'm going on a backcountry hunt, I usually always test my gear before before I leave to make sure, you know, you're st- your stove's operational and that, that everything is serviceable. And, and yeah, so I, I think that, that kind of preparation is pretty, pretty critical. I wouldn't say I spend a, a lot of time on it. I am kind of one of those ounce counting geeks. I mean, I just, I guess the older I get, I just, I don't want to pack a lot of just stuff I don't need or a lot of stuff that I think I might need. Um, so I think the older I get, the less i less I pack. But yeah, I think it really, I think preparation is really going to depend on, on what unit you're drawing, what, what hunt. I spend the bulk of my time. I mean, if I'm going to commit to kill a big buck in a specific year, man, I got to be all in on, on scouting. I mean, that's really where your time needs to be spent finding and identifying a big buck that you want to hunt or, or a couple of bucks. But yeah, preparation is going to translate into success more often than not. I mean, yeah, I'd rather be lucky than good, but I think by and large, a guy's got to invest some time in in preparation and scouting and gear and, and you know, for those backcountry exploits, for sure, getting, getting in shape, however that might be for you. You know, when you put the work in and things go a little sideways, they don't go the way that you planned at the first part of the hunt. You still have the confidence to just keep grinding it out and get to the end. Whereas maybe if you didn't do the preparation mentally, you can kind of be def- defeated in your own mind. And, and that's almost makes the hunt over already. You know, mental's huge, man. You can have the best gear. You can have a big buck found. Um, you can, you can do all the preparation inside the gym or outside, whatever your, your deal is there. If you're not mentally prepared and you're, you know, you're in day two and you're missing the comforts of life and your wife or your girlfriend or whatever the case may be, and you're sick of eating freeze dried meals and those mountains can eat a guy up. And next thing you know, you're, you're mentally tapping out and you're on your way home. The Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Join the millions of hunters who trust Onyx to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Some of the key features of Onyx are the ability to combine critical land data with on-the-ground exploration to build your perfect map and find success. All your save markups sync automatically to all devices for use in the field or from home. Onyx includes nationwide public and private land boundaries. Hunt with confidence and find new opportunities using color-coded public land maps, private parcel ownership information, and clearly marked boundaries. Mark locations crucial to your hunt with custom waypoints. Measure distances of your walk-in, shot across canyon, or distance to the nearest access point with lines. View maps in 3D and choose satellite, topo, or hybrid base maps to have the best, easy-to-read visual for your hunt. Go as far from the grid as you want. No cell service required. Save detailed maps, layers, and markups for offline use. With live tracking and current location features, you'll make it out and back just like you planned. Don't risk getting turned around or lost.
So if you're ready to make the jump to Onyx, use the code ROCKCAST at checkout and save yourself 20%. I mean, I met a guy at the trailhead just last month. I was in Colorado on a high country mule deer hunting. This guy come out and we were heading in and he was heading out. He just said, yeah, I went up in, hiked here. I mean, this guy hiked all, I mean, I know all the places he went. It's steep, rugged, nasty country and didn't kill anything. And, and he was three days in and he was on his way home. Like he was, and he was from out of state and I'm, and I'm, that's a lot of time and money and, and commitment. You know, you take, take time off work, you spend gas money, you do all these things. And then you, you're tapping out day three. I mean, a guy's got to be mentally tough to, to be successful. Yeah. I haven't told the story, but I drew, I drew a pretty good tag in Nevada and it was a grinder. Deer were pretty pocketed. I ended up getting on a really good deer, probably the biggest deer I've ever been on with archery equipment. I got on him three times. And on the last time, and I mean, these were like seven hour stocks that I was putting on the steer because it was basically just wide open grass. I kept getting in there, but I couldn't close a deal. And the last time I finally was there and I got with inside my shooting range that I was comfortable, but I had about another 15 yards of cover that I could have got a little bit closer but I was like, man, I don't want to booger this up right now. I'm good. And finally stood up and I missed that sucker. And I'm going to tell you, I hiked off that thing, put my stuff in the car and I did drive home. And it was so, I was so defeated. It was tough. It wasn't on day three though. But if you'd have told me I could have got on that deer three times, I don't know if I could have believed that, but, and that I couldn't get him killed. It was, it was a real crusher. And I thought maybe I could get back over there, but it never worked out, you know? Yeah. And then you leave early and and you have that kind of regret too. But it was it was a good trip. I learned a lot about myself and a lot about uh, big deer. Yeah, being mentally tough, man. You got to be ready to to grind it out to the very end. Yeah, and it's 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 more or less preparing yourself mentally. Like, hey, this is gonna be really really hard, but I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it out and see it through. And when I'm like in Colorado, I done a lot of backcountry hunts and, and I found a lot of success on those hunts with, with big deer. But, but a lot of times, like one of the things I like to do is I'll, I'll hike back into a basin. I'll hunt it for three days or so. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a believer, especially in the high country. If you got a couple basins, you're hunting. If you spend three days up there and, and you're not seeing anything that you would want to shoot, there's a good chance it's not in there. I mean, that's not always the case. What I'll do is I'll hike out of that basin. I mean, it, it takes a lot of energy and effort to get in and, and to get out, especially with a, you know, a 50 plus pound pack. But what I'll do is I'll go, I'll go get a motel, you know, get some good food, good, good, uh, non freeze dried food in my belly and get some good rest in the motel, sleep in, I'll get up the next day and then I'll drive to a, a, a different trailhead, different area, different basin. I'll hike in and do another three days. And I found if I split it up, it helps you keep your, your mental faculties about you a lot better. Yeah, I think you really got to recharge yourself. And, you know, I found that if I surround myself with people that are positive, it really helps me too when I'm down. You know, I have a really good hunt buddy. A lot of times I'll draw a tag and he'll just tag along with me. You know, he'll be like, don't get down on yourself. It's all going to work out. We just got to keep grinding, keep grinding, and it'll come together. Yep, that's true. Yep. Do you want to share a story about one of your big bucks with us and we'll kind of close this thing out? We're talking about the high country. Um, the first high country buck that I that I took, I mean, this was back in 2007 and I've, I've taken several good 
bucks up in the high country since then. But, you know, back in 07, this whole new high country above timberline hunting was new to me. I was hunting with a good friend of mine and we had hiked into this was one basin and it, it was, you know, neither one of us. I mean, we were young and dumb, but not in great shape. We took it slow. That's another tip. I mean, it ain't a race. We rolled up in this basin and I mean, it was a lot of, there was a lot of vertical. We, we got to the top of this, this ridge at about 13,000 feet. We camped. We did find one buck. One, he was just, he just a good, solid, just a good, solid buck. Definitely a trophy deer, not a giant, but a good, solid buck. And my, my buddy ended up taking that deer. Anyway, we got it. We got it packed out. In fact, he packed the whole dadgum deer out. He went back and got it, boned it out. And I, he offloaded his entire camp on my back. And so I had my camp, I had all my gear and his, and then he had the whole deer. And I mean, we just gutted it out of that basin, man. And it was, it was super hard and our, our backs hurt and every, you know, muscle and bone in our body ache, but we made it back to the trailhead. We went to a motel that night, got a good, had a good dinner that night, got some good sleep next morning. We actually, I won't, uh, disclosed the motel we were at but we actually threw that deer in the bathtub and i think we caped him out in the in the in the bath bathroom i'm sure <laughs> we're not the only hunters that have done that but you know slept in the next morning and uh next day we we went to our our second spot and by this time i mean it, it when you're hunting with a buddy and you both have tags i mean i i was super happy for my buddy when he took this deer but there's there's also a little bit of like, gosh, dang, man, I, I want to get a deer now. I don't know that's necessarily jealousy. Maybe it isn't to an extent, but you're like, man, I want to, I want to get a, you know, I need to get a buck now. And so we rolled into this next basin glass that evening. Didn't really see anything. The next morning we, we made it up to a, a pass and glass into an adjoining basin. It wasn't looking real promising. I think it was like late in the morning around 930 or so. You know, when you expect most of the deer to be bedded by then, we glass down the basin and we glass up a big old buck. I mean, he's he's well above timberline. He's actually right at about 13,000 feet and he's he's feeding just above a 300 foot cliff and then just below a small, maybe 15 foot ribbon cliff. And he was about two miles away and we could tell from that distance he was big. He had a big front end on him. In fact, I'm actually looking up at him. He's here in my office, but we put a plan together and we went, we hiked two miles down the basin. And then it was like about 1700 vertical feet straight up to get above him. And it, and it was, I'll be honest, when we were on that stock, there, there were times we were crossing ledges and areas that, that like one slip and you're you're going to take one hell of a tumble down the mountain. The hands down, I, I went went back to this area this year, just last month, and it's still just as steep as it was, you know, in, in <laughs> what, 14 years ago. We went up, we went up, we got above that buck. You know, once you get above him, I, we lost him. We didn't know, we knew kind of where we thought he was. This was a muzzleloader hunt. Anyway, we kept kind of sneaking over, peeking over the this these, these little ledges. And kind of got to the end of where the, the ledge ended. And that buck jumped up at 15 yards. And I mean, he was, he, he actually took, he took two jumps and I smoked him right through the head, just right through the ear hole. And it came out his forehead, no doubt what I was looking at. But anyway, he, he dropped and rolled and snagged his 
antlers in a crumb holtz that stopped him from going off that 300 foot cliff. But um, I'll tell you, that was that was a little dicey, you know, caping that buck out and breaking him down because we just had this little, you know, this little section of I wouldn't call it flat, but it was the flattest spot we could find. But that's where I got really hooked on this high country mule deer hunting. I mean, it, it's just, it's awesome. It's really, really hard, but it's, it's incredibly rewarding. And, you know, fast forward 14 years or so, I mean, it's unfortunately mule deer hunting, the kind of bucks that this high country used to hold, it just doesn't have nearly what it used to have, but but still love to get up there and and from time to time we find a, a few good bucks to to chase but that was that's kind of where high country mule deer hunting started for me was with that got some things figured out over the years and been fortunate to to harvest some some good bucks above above timberline and below timberline i mean i don't just exclusively hunt above timberline but that's kind of where it all started for me yeah, I don't think you can have adventure unless there's a chance of failure, right? Yeah, you ain't a kid there. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I thought I was going home empty-handed on that hunt. And, you know, just just having the ability to stick it out. I mean, so guys, there's so many people that cave too easily, man. And sometimes you just need to take a little break, get your, you know, get, get some get some focus and some rest and then, and then go at it again. And like I said, you surrounded yourself with a great hunt partner. He'd already tagged out, but he was all in for you and getting you, uh, keeping you successful too. And that's, that's a huge part. No, that's true. I mean, it's good, good. It's hard to find good hunting partners that you kind of, you see eye to eye and you have the same vision and the same mental attitude. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a, definitely a blessing. All right. I think we'll close this out. I'll, I'm going to ask you two things. First one is what's your favorite mountain snack? Have you ever heard of those honey waffle stingers honey stinger yes sir big fan myself it's hard to beat one of them in the in the high country and then i'll i'll really gross everybody out and i'm old-fashioned this way but i like to have i like to have meat in the back country and i'm not talking about like dried jerky spam makes these individual spam packets that has a slice of spam in it that is my you know, some people do the sardines and I don't mind sardines are okay, but that's my chunk of juicy protein. We call it bush bacon. It's good if you fry it up too, but I actually really like a nice slice of spam. I don't, I don't, they're, they're in a individual tinfoil packet and they're getting a little bit harder to come by. But whenever I see them, man, I buy all I can get. Cause I, I don't know. I love, I love me some some spam in the back country. I used to eat spam a lot when I was younger as one of my mom's treats. I haven't had it in a while, but I, I sure remember that. One of my buddies, he makes what he calls a little smoky, which he just smokes like a Jimmy Dean on the, on the Traeger. And then he gets out there and cuts a slice off and he'll put it in his coffee cup and warm it up on the thing and then make a cup of coffee and cl- clean the cup up. So that's cool. All right. Where, where can people find you if they want to uh, ask you any follow-up questions or check Scree out more? You can find us on, on Facebook, um, Instagram, and TikTok. We're on all three of those, those platforms. And you can always jump on over to our website. Um, you know, if you guys have any questions, you know, the main phone number um, you know, if somebody ever needs to get a hold of me, they can they can contact me that way. 
Uh, I do hand out my email address, which is Mike. It's easy to remember, Mike at screedgear.com. But yeah, look, always look look forward to, to talking and swapping stories with fellow hunters. So, All right, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. I'm excited to uh, some big announcements there at Scree and look forward to catching up with you at the shows. Awesome. Same, same Sam, always great catching up. Moving on to another big announcement. We have Gary Schroeder, product manager from Onyx, to tell us about one of the newest features he's been working on. Welcome to the show, Gary. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on and opportunity to talk to you about some of the stuff we got going out this year. Uh, kind of not to bury the lead, it's a, a trail camera integration with three leading trail camera companies, Bushnell, Exodus, and Covert. And kind of just wanted to take a few minutes to talk through kind of how we arrived here how you can get access to the product and some things we might be, you know, building out for the rest of this year and of course into next year. And so probably like many of you know, a lot of hunters use trail cameras and that can be any part of the country. And there are, you know, different regulations. So you got to abide by those. Um, But one of the kind of one of the pain points that when we talk to customers that use trail cameras, one of them is it's kind of hard to keep track of all your cameras. If you're like me, I just run a few cameras, but when I talk to different customers, some of them are running 10 or 15 or 20 or even more of that. It's kind of hard to say, well, where did I put those cameras? What property are they on? Are they on this part of public? Are they on you know, the South food plot that I'm hunting somewhere? That kind of thing. So one of the things we wanted to do, first problem we wanted to solve for customers is have kind of a holistic inventory, if you will, of all your trail cameras. So if you're an Onyx customer, you can go into the app. Uh, either on on the website, on the computer, or if you use you know an Apple like kind of iOS device or Android, all, all it's all available to there. Um, and you can see a trail camera section, and uh, you can add any trail camera from any brand you want. And uh, from you know those are they may be SD cameras from from a whole list of drop down of brands that we have available to you. And then uh, you can put a lot of information on each one of those cameras. So some folks will sort of put a nickname around the camera so they understand exactly what what the camera is. You can put a location name. So you might have a nickname for a certain part of the, the ground you're hunting or a certain area that gives you a gives you an indication of where that where that camera is. You can put your battery life. Um, so how many batteries uh, do you have in that particular camera and when did you last change them? Uh, talking to folks internally here, we're you know we're launching this thing and and they said, well, I've got this camera, but my batteries ran out, you know, three weeks ago, or it's, it ran out of batteries two months ago. And so that that is one of the challenges folks that run cameras uh, do run into. So you can set that, you know, it takes eight double A's and I last changed them, you know, 30 days ago. You can also put in kind of the SD card storage. So some folks run, you know, small SD cards, some folks run high storage and you can so insert that and then put the date that you that you change that out as well. And then, of course, like with, you know, Onyx Maps, like you have, you can place that camera, uh, a pin for that camera, wherever it is. And uh, one of the things we added to it as well is kind of a, a direction indication. So if you've got that camera, you know, facing east or facing west, for an example, it'll show you a little cone that's saying this, this camera is pointing that direction. And then we have a little bit of kind of camera placement helper text. And what that's intended to do, if folks been running cameras for years, they, they probably don't need it. But if you're new to cameras and you do put your camera face in east or west and sometimes even south, you look at that helper text and it's going to say, 
you might want to you know, adjust your placement of that camera because you might have a whole lot of pictures uh, that are washed out by the sun and that morning sun or that setting sun or shadows or moving grass. And so that'll get you all set up to uh, you know, place that camera in the field. And then there's a section there for folks that if you're like me, I've got about six cameras right to the right of me in the room. And so those cameras, I still want to know have all that information related to them, but they're not in the field. So I can designate those cameras as not in the field. So again, holistic inventory of all my cameras. Some of them are in the field. Some of them are not in the field. But now I have all that information in one place. Uh, the second big problem we were solving with this uh, launch of this uh, trail camera feature was a uh, history section. So again, if you go into the product, you'll see a separate tab that is history. And what that is, is every time you move that camera around, we're going to have a new placement in that history tab so that you can keep track of where you have placed that camera over the life of that camera. And that'll become important in a second when I talk about the, the photos aspect of it. Uh, but you'll have a history of all of the cameras in your inventory. And of course, you can see all that information on an individual camera uh, as well. And so uh, if I zoom back a little bit as I get into the photo section of the product, uh, roughly, and these are kind of rough numbers, half the trail camera users are using kind of SD supported cameras that are not available. You know, they don't transmit any photos via you know, cellular data and roughly half do use uh, cameras that are cellular data. So we wanted to have a solution that, that works for all folks, no matter how, you know, what kind of cameras you're running. And so on web, if you go in there and you're running SD cameras, and, and we had some folks do this that had, you know, multiple years of images, uh, maybe stored on folders on their, their hard drive or something like that. Uh, but they upload, you can upload all of your photos to those cameras. And again, those were cameras that captured images stored on the SD card. You pulled them onto your computer. Now you can upload those all uh, into Onyx on the, on the SD side. But the big thing that we announced, uh, we're kind of in the process of announcing now, we went live three weeks ago, was kind of serving the needs of this other 50% I talked about, which was the folks using cellular trail cameras. Um, a lot of folks, a lot of folks are using those. And so we wanted to say, what, what are the kind of some of the pain points that folks are having with cellular trail cameras? And, and there's a few, but the one we started with initially was if you're running multiple cameras, each one of those cellular trail cameras has a separate app. And so if you want to see what's the holistic, you know, elk movement on this area or deer movement on a property that I'm running um, cameras on, I have to open up every one of those apps to see kind of this holistic view uh, because I might have one brand of camera on one side of the property, a different brand over here and a different brand down the hill. And so what we wanted to do is sort of have one place where if you're running, again, if you're running a Bushnell camera, you're running a covert camera, you're running an Exodus camera, you can log in to those apps. And there's a section in every one of those apps that's going to have something uh, that's going to say Onyx Hunt or Onyx Hunt settings. Sometimes it's in your profile page behind a menu. But you can go in there. Then from that app, you log in to your Onyx account, select the cameras that you want to integrate, and then press done. And that's it. Once you select those cameras, you might not want to send all of them over for whatever reason. Obviously, that's fine. But after you do that, you know, in, in a 30 seconds or a minute or so, those cameras will be will now show up in your Onyx Hunt app. And if your camera had a kind of GPS uh, enabled capabilities, 
that specific placement, it'll automatically place that camera for you. And then every image that comes over after you kind of logged in or authenticated, those images are going to show up uh, in your Onyx Hunt app uh, after you after you do that login. So that's what we came out with about three weeks ago, uh, kind of this one-stop shop for your trail camera uh, integration. Uh, a lot of folks and a lot of photos already coming into the app. Um, so that's exciting times um, for us uh, right now. Pretty excited for this, Gary. I live in Utah, and we obviously have to pull our cameras early, about August. But I have about 20 cameras. I really enjoy just running cameras. But I agree, one of the, the problems that I have is just trying to store the photos and keep them in some kind of order of where this camera was and where where this animal was when I took the photo. So just to kind of summarize what, what I took away from this was, if I use a regular SD card, all I have to do then is upload the photo to my Onyx app, and it will store the photo with that camera where I placed it, right? That's correct. And one, one additional feature um, I didn't mention, but I kind of alluded to, is connecting the photos to that history uh, area, the application I talked about earlier. So we can, if you upload a bunch of photos and each photo has a, a timestamp, you know, when that was captured, what the date was, what the time was. Well, all that history that I mentioned earlier also has a beginning date and an ending date. In other words, there is a date where you move, when you move that camera to that location, and there is a date when you removed or moved that camera to another location. And we're capturing uh, that, that move date. And we're going to automatically sync the camera photos timestamp to that placement date. Because on one hand, if you're uploading, you know, we have folks upload, you know, 11,000 photos in one day, you know, and so that must have been over many years, and he's going to upload those uh, to a specific camera. But there's no telling if all of those pictures were taken that were taken on that camera were taken where that camera was at one location versus another location. And so this can kind of help you keep track of what what where the camera was placed when it captured those photos. So you can say, well, hey, that that spot I placed it in, you know, last October, that was a good spot. I need to go back to that one and place the camera there again. Yeah, I think that's pretty big, especially like you talked about when you have a huge amount of photos, just trying to keep track of them. Uh, one of my hunt partners is in the Midwest for whitetails. You know, he has a couple automatic cameras and just trying to sort those as the photos just dump once a day can be a, a challenge too. I think this could be really big for him to just automatically have it updated. And then when he wants to look at what was in a certain spot at the food plot at the foot of the hill, you just click on the camera and, and scroll through the photos there. Exactly. All right, Gary. Well, I appreciate it. If anybody has any questions, where can they reach out and find you at? Well, they can go ahead and reach out to me at, at Onyx. You can uh, email me, gary.schroeder at onyxmaps.com, or you can also reach out to our, our help folks and they can get you in touch with me. If you have any feedback about the product or, of course, any questions, uh, contact our, our customer support there. All right, Gary. I look forward to using this feature uh, personally. I'll be letting people know about it. Thanks for coming on. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me. Now, on to the news coming out of California. The Catalina Island Conservatory has proposed the killing of 2,000 mule deer on Catalina Island. They plan to hire helicopters and sharpshooters to eliminate the deer on the island. Even the local Humane Society has come out against the killing of all the deer. Now is the time to make your voices heard on this issue. 
Utah, thousands of birds dead after avian botulism outbreak. While avian botulism can usually be found in stagnant water between July and September, it typically affects a small number of birds. While avian botulism is rare to transmit to humans, the DWR is recommending that you only harvest flying birds. You cook the meat thoroughly, and botulism can affect your dog if they consume the meat, so keep them away from sick, dead, or dying birds. Idaho. The fishing game is looking to collect teeth and jaws of white-tailed deer in units 1, 6, 8A, and 10A. If you harvest a deer in these units, contact the regional office for a tooth collection envelope. Until next time, this has been Sam Weaver. <laughs>